It's a joy to be able to come and uh, bring the word to you guys this evening. Um, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5, uh, we'll be looking at Matthew 5 verse 9 this evening, but we'll read from Matthew 5 verse 1 uh, to verse 12 just for a bit of context. I've been going through the Beatitudes over the last little while that I've been preaching, um, and so we're going to continue doing that this evening. So we're going to read from Matthew 5, verse 1, just for some context for our verse this evening. Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But our verse for this evening, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come before you this evening and that we can sing praises to you and that we can open your word and that we can see the good news uh, of your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. I pray that he would be the focus this evening, that you would help me to uh, understand your word rightly and to share it rightly and that you would um, give us ears to hear and that you would change us. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this evening we're going to talk about peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says, peacemakers. There's a lot of talk about peace in the world, a lot of talk about peace. Just one example comes to mind for me. You might have heard of the man called John Lennon. John Lennon was one of the members uh, of the Beatles back in the day. And John Lennon was a man who liked to talk about peace. You may or may not be familiar with his song called Give Peace a Chance. It's a pretty straightforward song. All it does is basically repeat this line, give peace a chance. It was like the heart cry of like the hippies of like the 60s and 70s. But even if you're not familiar with John Lennon or that song, I'm sure you're familiar with this heart cry that we as humans have for peace. People want peace. People of all generations, in one way or another, have been crying, give peace a chance. Now, when we come to the Beatitudes this evening, when we come to the words of Jesus, what does he say about the matter? What does he say? Does he just say, give peace a chance? Does he just say, try peace, give it a go? No, he says something different. Jesus says, 
Blessed are the peacemakers. He's not just saying, try to be peacemakers. He is saying, those in my kingdom are peacemakers. The peacemakers are mine, he says. The true peacemakers aren't the hippies. The true peacemakers are those in my kingdom. Before we carry on, let me just break this down a little bit further. Let's ask the simple question, what are the Beatitudes? What are they? I think a lot of people think that they are law. They think that the Beatitudes are like the new Ten Commandments. And that's not true. Remember, in Exodus, Moses gave us the law. In the book of Exodus, we see Moses come to us as the lawgiver. He came bringing the law at Mount Sinai. He came bringing the law to expose us to our need. But when Christ comes here, he comes as the grace giver. In the Beatitudes on this hill in Galilee, he comes bringing grace. He comes bringing grace to those who have seen their need through the law. And so in grace, he doesn't just say, do this to be in my kingdom. He says, these people are already in my kingdom. In the Beatitudes, he is describing those who are in his kingdom by grace. With that being said, we're going to break down our verse just into three points this evening. I have three simple questions for us. We're going to go back to primary school with some basic words here. Firstly, why peacemakers? Secondly, what are peacemakers? And thirdly, who are the peacemakers? Why peacemakers? What are peacemakers? Who are the peacemakers? Let's start with why. We have to ask why. What is all the fuss about with peace? Why are those in the kingdom peacemakers? The answer is simple. Christ talks about peace because he himself is the Prince of Peace. The one speaking this verse to these crowds and disciples on a hill in Galilee, he himself is the Prince of Peace. Why peace? Because Christ and his gospel is all about peace. So for a moment here, let's just trace that theme of peace through the Bible. Let's see what it's all about. In the Old Testament, they longed for the Messiah to come. The people of God were desperate for his arrival. In Isaiah 9, we read of a prophecy of what this coming Messiah will be like. Have a listen. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. What will the coming Messiah be like? He will be the Prince of Peace. He won't just bring a little, a little bit of peace. He's the Prince of it. He will bring peace with authority. He will work peace in a mighty way, and there will be no end of it. And then, in the biblical story, 
he arrives. He arrives and we read about it in the Gospels. And upon his arrival, what is the declaration of the angels? What do the angels say? Luke 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The Messiah has arrived. And what has come with him? Peace. On earth, peace. And then, but then as we follow this Prince of Peace throughout the story, things, they get a little confusing. They get confusing because this Prince of Peace, he doesn't seem to bring the peace people might have been expecting. We don't see the political peace that we might have expected. Israel is still under the rule of the Romans. Politically, it's a mess. And yet Jesus doesn't seem to do too much about that. And we don't really see too much internal peace either. And by that I mean the ones who followed this Prince of Peace, they still had messy lives. A lot of their lives were still marked by turmoil, not inner peace. And then as we follow the story, this Prince of Peace, he dies. He dies on a cross. This is far from a peaceful ending. But if we follow the story, things become more clear. And a man called Paul helps explain it all for us. He pulls back the curtain. He explains to us what the peace of the Bible is all about. In Ephesians 2, Paul explains to the Gentiles the work of peace that Christ has done for them. He says to the Gentiles, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So he explains here that before Christ, Gentiles neither had peace with God or with the people of Israel. But then he continues. But now in Christ Jesus, you who, are, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and who has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So Paul says, Christ brought peace and he preached peace. And what was this peace? It was the peace of Jew and Gentile being brought together and both being made at peace with God. Jesus brought peace between man and God. This is the peace that the Bible was concerned with. Peace with God. Just to make it even more clear, Paul explains the sort of peace in Colossians. He talks about Jesus saying, Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
The peace Jesus brings is peace between man and God. Jesus is not primarily concerned with political peace. Jesus is not primarily concerned with some sort of inner peace. He is concerned with restoring a relationship. He is concerned about bringing peace between his people and their father. And believer here tonight, that is exactly what you have. There is no longer a divide between you and God. He has brought you peace through the cross. But if you're not a believer here tonight, let me not continue without saying that you need peace with God. Stop seeking peace in every other realm of your life while neglecting the only realm that matters, peace with your Creator. Your sin has made you an enemy of Him, but Christ has offered you peace with God. Do not neglect this peace that is guaranteed in Christ. To return to our main question, why peacemakers? Why is Jesus talking about peacemakers? It's because, as we've seen, he is the ultimate peacemakers. He is the ultimate peacemaker, and those in his kingdom follow his example. Let's move on to our second question. What are peacemakers? What are they? What do peacemakers look like? What do they actually do? During my study for the sermon, I read something that stood out to me. One man said this, Peace receivers become peace diffusers. Peace receivers become peace diffusers. As those in God's kingdom, we have received the peace that we've discussed above. We have received peace with God. Once we have received that peace, we then become peace diffusers. I'm sure you've been in a car before that has had a diffuser in it, like a little hanging air freshener thing. Um, often it will be like a hanging tree or like a, a jelly bean or something. I actually have a John Lennon one in my car. It's really cool. Um, now, what do those things do? They diffuse fresh smells into the car. They hang there oozing a nice smell into the car. Sometimes they can make the car smell really strong. Better choose a good flavor. The John Lennon one was a pineapple one. It was really weird. Um, but they diffuse a nice smell into the car. Now, those who have received peace, they do, do the same as the air fresheners. They diffuse peace. Peace is what oozes out of them. They give off an aroma of peace. Peace flows out of them. Let's delve into this further. What sort of peace are they diffusing? To return to our point earlier, we often have misconceptions around what sort of peace the Bible is concerned with. Tim Keller, he's pointed out that we can often think about peace wrong in two ways. Let me just point out those two ways for a second. We've already sort of talked about it. Firstly, sometimes when we think of peacemaking, we think of political peace. Many throughout the history of the church have thought that the primary job of Christians is to seek some sort of political peace, that we are to have peace between nations here on earth. 
And, and many have picked up swords in their attempts to bring political peace upon the earth. Now, is this the picture of those in God's kingdom? Is our peacemaking a physical, political task? Well, one day there will be full and final physical peace on earth. As those in God's kingdom, it's not our primary task. Secondly, sometimes when we think of peacemaking, we can think we need to obtain some sort of inner peace. We often have these images of the peacemaker as a person who is in some sort of state of like total inner peace, as if the peacemaker is completely at peace in all things and fully unaffected by the world around them. Maybe we think Christianity will provide us this undisturbed state of peace. Now, Christianity does provide us spiritual peace. There is certainly peace of mind and heart that flows from being at peace with God. Peace through Peace comes through understanding the gospel of peace. Yet, as those in God's kingdom, we are not promised this completely undisturbed and untouchable inner peace. While we have this reality of peace with God, the Bible is plain that through the many trials of life, our feelings of peace may be up and down. While we live in this time awaiting our full and final peace, we will have struggles. Those in the kingdom are not immune from the struggles and worries of life. So then, what is the peace that the peacemakers diffuse? What peace flows out of them? Well, it's the same sort of peace that the Prince of Peace accomplished for them. And what peace did he come to make? It's relational peace. He brought peace between God and man. He restored a relationship. He reconciled God and man. And so peacemakers primarily do the same. They bring peace between themselves and others. They make peace between each other. They seek peace between believers. They diffuse peace amongst the church. They make peace within their families. They diffuse restoration. They diffuse reconciliation. They diffuse this relational peace. Why? Because this is the peace they have received. They have received restoration. They have received reconciliation. They have received relational peace with their father. Peacemakers seek harmony. Peacemakers do not get a kick out of division. Peacemakers do not laugh at churches and believers that are being divided. Why? Because their gospel of peace is about uniting what has been divided. They don't get a kick out of it because they were once divided from God, but they were united with him through Christ. Peacemakers don't get a kick out of gossip. Peacemakers don't seek gossip. Why? 
because their gospel of peace is not about separating, but about uniting. Peacemakers don't make huge deals about small things. Peacemakers understand that within the body of Christ, we can differ from each other in our understanding. Peacemakers understand that we all come from different cultures and walks of life. And so peacemakers learn how to relate with all people. Let me put another twist on all of this. And this can be said for all of the Beatitudes that we've talked about before. Those in God's kingdom are those who are saturated in the gospel. They are saturated in the gospel. The peacemakers are completely covered in the gospel of peace. They are so saturated in it that they begin to diffuse it. They are so fixed in the reality that they have peace with God that they diffuse it into all of their other relationships. Believer, do you want more of this peace to mark your life? The solution is not to work up some peacemaking by your own strength, but the solution is to saturate yourself with the gospel. Over a lifetime, let the peace with God that you have in the gospel infiltrate your life. By the Spirit, let it infiltrate your actions. By the Spirit, let it infiltrate your relationships. Blessed are the peacemakers. Lastly, let's ask the question, who are the peacemakers? Who are they? Verse 9 says this, For they shall be called sons of God. Jesus gives us the answer, sons of God. A pretty common conversation in my family seems to be one about family resemblance. Um, this conversation usually happens when we're hanging out with like large extended family, and my mom is classic for bringing up this conversation. She'll usually talk about how us kids will look similar to someone else in the family. Your mom might do this, maybe, if she's like mine. She'll say like about how my sister has the same eyes as grandma or how my brother has the same nose as our great uncle or something, or how I have the same feet as my auntie. <laughs> it's real random. Um, your family might have similar conversations about that, about family resemblance. Now, God's family is actually very similar. God's family is similar in that we all resemble our father. Not in physical ways, though. That's one of the beautiful things about God's family. Physically, there doesn't have to be any resemblance of each other. But spiritually, there is. Peacemakers being children of God makes sense. It makes sense because peacemakers resemble their father, the God of peace. In this way, the family of God all have a likeness a likeness of their father and a likeness of each other. They have all been saturated in the gospel of peace, and so they diffuse peace just as their father does. 
Just take a second to think about the gravity of what Jesus is saying here. He says, they shall be called sons of God. What does he mean by this? If we read this word called lightly, we'll do it in injustice. Being called sons of God doesn't mean that's like just our nickname or something. Biblically, names are important. Being called children of God means that that is our identity. We are children of God. All of our lives are now wrapped up in this reality that we are children of the Most High. It's a profound reality. And it becomes even more profound when we reflect on the fact that things weren't always this way. Like we discussed earlier, Christ made peace between us and God, which means there wasn't always peace. There was a time when we were enemies of God, when we were hostile to him, when we were children of wrath, Paul teaches. So it's not as though we were just on some neutral ground. It's not as though we were impartial to God. Instead, we were against him, the Bible teaches. And it's from this place that God adopts us into his family. When we were enemies, when we were hostile, when we were children of wrath, it's from this that he invited us into, it, into his family. Just humanly speaking, if you had to adopt someone into your own family, who would you adopt? Would you choose an enemy? Would you choose someone who is against you? Would you welcome in someone who has only been hostile to you? I think it's fair to say this would not be our default. But our God is different. He loves to restore when there has been brokenness. He loves to reconcile when there has been division. Our God is the God of peace, and through Christ's death on the cross, we have that peace freely. I think this is why Christ connects peacemakers with becoming children of God in this beatitude. Because peacemaking is all about restoring relationships. And in becoming children of God, we see an ultimate example of God's peacemaking with us. Children of wrath becoming children of God. Enemies becoming friends. May we saturate ourselves in this gospel of peace that we may resemble our Father in lives of peacemaking with all people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that while we were sinners, while we were enemies of you, you sent your Son, the Prince of Peace. Thank you that you sent him for us and that he reconciled us to you, that through him and his blood on the cross, we have peace 
with you. Thank you that if we have believed that gospel, we are made your children. Thank you that we have that honor. May you teach us that each and every single day. Father, may we live lives that resemble uh, the Prince of Peace. May we seek peace with all people, with believers, within the church, within our families. May we reconcile with one another. May we restore relationships. Father, thank you for your Son. And we ask for all these things in his name. Amen. Amen.